You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We are we're going through First uh, John. We're we're walking through this book together. We're not necessarily doing this chronologically. We're just kind of looking at major themes that crop up, and we're talking about those things. Um, so I just wanted to give a little background before we dive into today's scripture and today's theme. Uh, and so. First, we've got to look at the author. Who, who wrote the book of John? This is where you should always start when you're, you're looking at a, a new book to study in the Bible. You start with who wrote it, who are they writing to, what is their purpose, what are they dealing with in the culture at the time. Uh, so the author of this is most likely John the disciple. Uh, and he, he was uh, older in age at this point. This is probably towards the end of his life. Uh, he's, we don't really know too much of what happens to post-Pentecost John. Uh, we, we just know that you know, he goes on and probably reaches and preaches to a local community in Asia Minor, uh, and he preaches to these churches. And we only assume those things because of who he's writing to in Revelation. And so he writes the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation, and we're pretty sure it's all him because it's all very similar writing styles. And he talks about the same things, and it's all very similar. And we know that John, in the, in the gospel, he doesn't mention himself. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loves. So we know that uh, he likes a little bit of anonymity. Is that how you say that? <laughs> uh, he, he likes to be a little bit more anonymous, but he also is a little arrogant. So um, <laughs> that was a joke. Anyway, uh, he... Uh, he Lives a long life, we know that, and he's writing these things. These are some of the, the latest written books uh, that we have in the Bible. Uh, and he is writing to probably the seven churches that he's writing to in Revelation. That's most likely the case. Um, and uh, he's dealing with a, an issue that's going on during the time called uh, Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is kind of a, a symbiotic faith in the sense that it's not necessarily its own thing, but it kind of latches on to other faiths and distorts them. And so uh, other, other religions at the time were dealing with the same issue. And, and gnosis in Greek means knowing. And so their idea is that uh, there's this secret hidden deity out there that uh, nobody knows about, but all, all you have to do is become in the know about this deity, and then you can ascend from the evil mire of... M- the material world. Uh, and they believe that everything that is in creation is evil, and this deity is all that is good, and you have to get to know. And so, again, it's not they're really their own faith, but they latch on to other faiths. And so when the, the Christianity's rising and spreading, uh, Gnosticism latches onto it and says, oh, Jesus, yeah, that sounds right. Jesus came, and he, he is a messenger from that unknown deity, and he, he is telling us about how we can become in the know and be in relationship with him, which is kind of what Jesus came to do. But they had one issue with Jesus in that he can't be human. Because if he's human, he's material. He's a created being. And then he can't, he, he'll be evil. Because all, th- all things in creation are evil. So they said he was just a spirit. Uh, and then if you look at the beginning of John's letter, which actually reads more like a sermon, Uh, He starts it off by, and we have seen Jesus with our eyes, and we have touched him with our hands. And so he is combating this idea that Jesus was real, and John the disciple would know this, because he has seen Jesus with his eyes, and he has touched him with his hands. So he knows, like, hey, I I hear these words that people are saying that, oh, that 
there's this Gnostic group and they're telling you all these lies that Jesus is some kind of spirit. No, 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 that's not true. I saw him and I touched him. He's real. He was a man. He walked on this earth and he did let us know about God, but he himself was God. Uh, and then he has major themes in John that we've been kind of covering. Uh, last week, Gary talked about love and uh, the radical hospitality that we should be sharing with not just each other in this room, but the, the world around us. And uh, we should be loving each other. And that's a major theme all throughout John's writings is, is love. And so you'll probably hear that again later on because this is a, a big part of John's writing. Also, life is another thing that John focuses on, that there's love and there's life. Uh, and all of those are found in God. And today we're talking about how God is light. Um, so God is, is light, and we're going to be looking at that. But first, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you uh, for this opportunity that you've given me once again uh, to share your word. I pray Lord, that uh, you can meet with us here, uh, that we can read and, and learn and grow, um, that this is all about you. And um, as we study your word, that we can hear your words to us and that you can speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, move in this place. And uh, help us encounter you, help us learn and grow and, and actually apply this in our lives. Um, so thank you, God. We give this time over to you. It's yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, all right, so we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verse 5 through. I'm going to jump through different portions of John, the, the beginning part of John uh, to highlight the parts where he's talking about light. Because today we're, all, we're looking at how God is light. Uh, so, but we're going to start with John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. It says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is the, the start of it. And you'll notice that one thing uh, John is not is subtle. Uh, he, he cuts right to it. He's very blunt. Like, hey, if you think you're doing this and you're not, you're, you're lying, all right? You're, you're, you're walking in darkness. You think you're doing this and you're not... You're, you're failing, all right? And so he, he, he will say it, like he doesn't pull punches. He tells people exactly like it is. Uh, and so you're going to see that as we keep going. John is very straightforward about it. Uh, and for John, in his context, what he understands of light, he doesn't, you have to remember that these people don't have electronic lights. They don't have LED screens. They don't, John's concept of light is the sun and the moon and, and the stars. And his concept of light is fire torches. And, uh, and for him, scripturally, what he has to base all of his thoughts on is, is the Old Testament. And uh, we know that John, because of his gospel, he really likes the creation account. Uh, if you know that his, his gospel, he kind of created an homage uh, that in creation, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then John starts his gospel, his, his account of Jesus' life. He starts it by saying, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And so he's, he loves the creation account. And in fact, uh, later on in the creation account, it talks about God creating light and separating it from darkness. Uh, and so that becomes a major theme in what John has to say about light. And so, uh, and then in John's gospel, he expounds on that saying that that word, which we know to be Jesus, that came to earth, it became flesh 
And he says that it was the light for all mankind, and, and it came to the darkness. The darkness did not understand it, uh, but it, it couldn't comprehend it, but it did not overcome it. Darkness could not overcome the light. And so John is saying, uh, he, he understands that God created this light and that he separated it from darkness. He understands that Jesus came to the earth, that he was flesh, he was real, we could touch him uh, and see him. But he was the light that came to the darkness uh, to shine God's light. And here he expounds on that even further to say God is light himself. So that, that light that we see in creation is emanating from who God is in his being. And his point there is saying that you cannot be in relationship with God and not be in the light. It, it, it simply does not work because God is light himself. So you, you can't be walking in the darkness and be in relationship with the light. That, does, that doesn't work. You can't have that relationship with God without being in the light because God is light. Does that make sense? Uh, so I didn't get it. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Um, so yeah, God is light and the light, he expounds on that even further saying that the light is truth. Uh, so if you're living in the light, you're, you're in relationship with God because God is light. I, I'm in the light. So that helps you kind of conceptualize. Uh, you're living in the light. You're living in truth. And so there's truth, and you're confessing your sins, you're, you're being honest about the, the state that you're in, you're being open about that. And then if you're not living in light, you're living in darkness, then you're lying. You're living in lies and deception. You're saying that there is no sin. And so that's the, the, the duality he's saying. So you have two options here. You can live in the light and be honest about the state that you're in. Or you can live in lies and deception and not be honest about and not confess your sins, not say that you have any faults or failures, that you are good. And so those are the, the two states that you can be in. And notice this. This is, a, this is a key point, church, because living in the light, walking in the light, being in relationship with God does not mean being perfect. And yet, for some reason, every time we talk about that in church, that's the, the concept that we walk away with, that I want to live in the light. I want to be in relationship with God. I want to walk in the light and be with him. That does not mean go and doing everything right. That's what we think it means sometimes. That it means to be in the light means to be good, to do the right things, to be a good person and to go do all the things that God wants me to do. But that's not what John says. He says to walk in the light is to be honest about the fact that you're a sinner. Like that's what it means to be in light, to confess your sins, to be open about the fact that you are in need of grace and salvation, that you need redemption from Jesus and, and that he will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness, that his righteousness will come and take you. It's not your goodness, it's his goodness that matters. That's what means living in the light. Well, living in the darkness is to not be honest about that, to be, to be living in lies and deception. Now, it's important to you to understand that John's not writing this to the world. Well, mo most of the Bible is not written to non-Christians or non-believers, non-people of faith. Most of the Bible, in fact, pretty much all of it, is written specifically to people that have relationship with God. And John is writing to churches, churches that he's probably preached to, he's taught with, he's walked alongside, and he's writing to them this sermon saying that, hey, you Christians that think you're Christians that you think you're walking in the light, you think you're in relationship with God, you're actually living in darkness because you keep pre pretending that you're perfect. You, have, you, you are living in deception because you have this projection of perfection. 
And this is the idea that you are, are putting out there, that you are good, you're fine, you're a good person, you're doing the right things, you're, you're better. This is, this is where it gets unhealthy. It, well, it's already unhealthy, but it gets even more unhealthy when you start thinking, I'm better than those people. Those sinners that are admitting what they're doing wrong, those people that are openly living in this, like, and they're, they're being honest about the fact that they're, they're failures, I'm better than them. You're walking in darkness. That's, that's, that's the, the dichotomy that... that he is saying that, that God created light and separated light from darkness, that God himself is that light. And if you want to live in relationship with him, you've got to be honest about the state that you're in because the light will reveal it. You've got to be honest about that. But if you're not going to live in the light, you're going to walk in darkness. You're going to lie and deceive yourself and deceive the world around you, pretending to be perfect. And you see the problem there is that a lot of Christians walk away thinking that walking in the light means being good, being perfect. And that's, that's where they get wrong, and that's where they start to lie, because they make a mistake, and they're like, oh, crap, I'm not living in the light anymore. Oh, no, i got to lie about that. i got to hide that fact. I can't be honest with other people because they'll think less of me, and they'll think I'm not walking in the light. But that's actually not the case. Walking in the light means to be honest about that, to tell the truth about the state that you're in, the, the desperate need you have for, for God's grace. That's what living in the light means, and walking in darkness means to lie about it, to deceive. So this is what Paul said, or what John says about living in the light and living in darkness. We're going to move on to chapter two, verse eight through eleven, because he he gives us more about what walking in the light means. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is, the, he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So he... he brings it even further to say that uh, living in the light means to live in the truth and be honest about the state that you're in, that you're a sinner, that you're a failure, that you've made mistakes, that God, you're not a failure. I don't want to put that defined. You've failed and made mistakes, but you're being honest about that, confessing those things, and Jesus' grace wraps you up and, and cleanses you from unrighteousness. That's what living in the light has meant thus far, but then he adds on to it that it also means loving your brothers and sisters, loving the world around you that you live in, in a relationship with, with the people and you have love for them. That's kind of what uh, Gary was talking about last week, that this is a, a major theme. And he, John keeps going on uh, about how we should be loving each other. That's a, that's a big part of what he believes we should be doing is loving each other, loving each other. That's what living in the light means. If you're going to walk in the light, you're going to love the world around you. However, if you're going to walk in darkness, you're going to hate the world around you. You're going to hate your brothers. And this makes sense because, again, the people that are walking in darkness, according to what John has to say here, the people that are walking in darkness are the ones that think they're walking in the light, that think they're doing a good job. They're putting this projection of perfection out there. And if you've met anybody that thinks these things, you know that they have a lot of hate for the world around them. They have a lot of hate for the people around them, the people that are pretending to be okay, that they they keep coming and God keeps saving them. And God keeps giving them grace. They don't like this idea. They don't like this idea that they can, people that can sin and fall short of the glory of God, 
can be saved by his grace because they've been working so hard to be perfect over here. They've been doing all the right things and and being the perfect person, putting this projection out there. It's not completely true. They've hidden away some stuff, but for the most part, they look good on the surface and they work really hard for that. They like to be better than the other people. These people that think that they're being good Christians, that think they're walking in the light, but they're actually in darkness and they hate people. And you've probably run across this in your life. Religious people that, that are... Uh, standing, thinking that they have a good relationship with God because of how good they are, how perfect they are, how they don't make mistakes. They're not like those Christians over there that, that keep making mistakes and telling people about them. They're these good ones that put on this perfect exterior. And they're full of judgment and condemnation. They, they, they long for people to suffer for the mistakes that they make. The people they disagree with, they can't wait for God to judge them. That's hate. They're looking forward for destruction for people. That's, that's what hate means. Hate doesn't mean anger. I think we, we think, that, oh, I, I can't, if I'm going to love people, I can't have anger. Well, we, we know that that's not true because God has a lot of anger for his people, <laughs> and yet he loves them. Parents, you probably understand this. Yeah, you, you love something so desperately, but yet you can still have a decent amount of anger for that person, right? <laughs> Married couples probably understand that. Not me, babe, not me. Don't worry. (laughs) In fact, sometimes, sometimes it seems almost the depth of the love can almost increase the depth of the anger, right? So it's it doesn't it doesn't mean that you can't be angry. It doesn't mean you can't disagree. It doesn't mean you can't have hurt, be hurt by someone. Loving people, being in that relationship with it, it means that you hope for them that there can be reconciliation and redemption. It means that you, you still have this idea in your heart that. You want what's best for them. And you're actively willing to participate in that. You're actively willing to make that happen to help them live better and be better. And the relationship can be restored. That, that's what you're hoping for. And that's what you're longing for. That's what it means to live in love. Living in hate, you don't want those things. You actually want them to be destroyed. You want them to be condemned. And, and look, I'm going to say this. It, it's hard. But the... The people that have been most publicized, the people that have been most vocal in Christianity over the past like 50 years, have been the people that have been walking in the light, but actually walking in darkness. And they've projected a lot of hate and condemnation on our world. They continue because, because the world, they disagree with it because they don't, they don't like what the world's doing and they're perfect. They're putting this projection of perfection in, everywhere they go they hate the world. They hate the things that the world is doing. They hate these things and, and they disagree. And they, they act, instead of loving and hoping for redemption, hoping for reconciliation, they're hating, wanting condemnation. They look forward to the day that God brings judgment so that he will smite their enemies. Because, well, either they think that they are God or they think that God owes them for how good they've been. And so th- this is what our world has been been dealing with. And, it, and those are the same people that'd be like, oh, the world hates. The world hates Christians. It must be the end times. Maybe the world hates Christians because you've been kind of mean to them. <laughs> Maybe the world hates Christians because you've been hating them. That's, that's the reciprocal relationship that they've been in. And, and unfortunately, they've been more vocal and more prominent in the, the media. And so everyone's thinking that's what Christianity means. That what it, that's what it means to have relationship with God. But 
What John's saying here is those people have been walking in darkness. They've been blinded. They've been blinded by the hate. They've been blinded by, by this, this perfection that they've been putting out there. They've been walking in darkness, not actually in relationship with God, because if they were in relationship with God, they wouldn't be condemning people for their sins. They'd be confessing their own. And so that, this is, this is the, the state that John is seeing. And he, again, he's talking to the Christians. He's not talking to the people outside the church. He's talking to the people inside the church saying, make sure you're actually walking in the light, that you're confessing. You're being honest about the state that you're in and that you're genuinely hoping for the best for the the world around you, that you want to love your brothers and sisters. You want to love the people around you. Because if you're not doing those things, if, if you're lying and deceiving yourself and everyone else that you're perfect, if you're hating people around you and actively looking for their suffering, you're not walking in the light. You're not, you're not living in relationship with God. He carries on. And we're going we're gonna to read. This one actually doesn't talk about light itself, but it, it kind of, it carries on what he was just saying. So we're going to look at verse uh, of chapter two, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of of God abides forever. So this this is connected by that phrase that um, it is passing away and the light is shining. So he, he said that in the last passage, that darkness is passing away. And the light is already shining. Again, he has equated that light to be God and Jesus. And that light is already shining. And this is an important thing uh, to understand that, and we need to routinely come back to this is, yes, there is a battle in in our world of, of good and evil, but that battle has already been won. The light has already been shining and continues to shine and the darkness will pass away. That is, those are facts. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to concern ourselves with that idea that darkness will overcome light. It won't. This battle has already been won. The light is already shining. Darkness is already passing away. And he, he, he shares that the world is like the darkness and it will pass away. Uh, and all of its desires, everything uh, will pass away. But the will of God and relationship with God, that will be forever. That will keep light. That's living in the light and walking in the light. And so here... We've talked about walking in the light is being honest about the state you're in and loving the people around you. And now he adds on to it, walking in the light means that you are going to have the love of God and do the will of the Father. And notice this, he doesn't say to love God, he says to have the love of God. And I think this is important because when he says you're walking in darkness, he contrasts that by saying you will love the world if you're walking in darkness. But he says you will have the love of God. And I think this is a, this is a key point um, because he does, I think he distinguishes that because to walk in the light, to have relationship with God, to be connected with him, to be honest about the state you're in, to love the people around you, you will not just love God. I think that's, that's, a, that's a fact that you will, you will love God, of course, because of what he's done for you. But you will also share his love for those around you. You will see based on his light and because this is something Gary talked about last week, is that you will see the world through his eyes, you will see people through his eyes, and you will love like he loves. 
you, you walking in the light, you have relationship with God, you're honest about the state that you're in, the mis- this mistakes that you've had, uh, and you will have the love of God, and you will display it to the world around you. That's, that's what walking in the light. So he, he contrasts that by saying that if you're walking in darkness, you will love the world, and you will love the desires of the world. And he actually explains those things. What does it mean to love the world? To walk in darkness is to love the world. And the love of the world means, um, this one says the desires. Uh, in, in the NASB, it says the lust. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and boastful pride of life. Those are the, the three things that he, he equates. There's probably more that could be explained in that. Um, but those three things, let's talk about it. Lust of the flesh. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. If, if you don't know what that means, uh, that sounds like a senior pastor thing. Talk to Kelly. Um, <laughs> lust of the eyes uh, is, uh, that's, that's, I think, more like greed. That's the connotation of greed or envy. You have this idea that you want more. You want what other people have. You're not satisfied with what you have. You, you have this lust and want what other people have. And then the, the last one is boastful pride of life. Uh, and this is one that I just want to, I want to touch on because I think it's deceptive. Um, this idea that we have pride in our life and what we have and, and who we are and the, the kingdom that we've built here on earth, this physical world, we've built our own kingdom. We've built our own and established our influence, our power, our authority here on earth. And, and we like it and we're proud of it. And, and for me, I, I see that, that that's an imbalance of priorities. That if you're living in the light, you're walking in the light, you have relationship with God, you're being honest about the state you're in, that you're loving the people around you, that you have the love of God within you. I don't think you're as excited about building your own net worth. Like that's not as big of a priority to you. That if there was people in this world that were suffering and you could help them, you would. That's what it means to be walking in the light. That's what John is saying is that if you have, you would love to share and give to others. If you have pride and, and it's a bigger priority that your net worth or your, your power, your authority, your influence of the world around you, if that means more to you, then you're not willing to sacrifice it for the sake of others. You have a higher priority to build your own kingdom rather than to help God establish his here on earth. And that's, that's this boastful pride of life. And I'm going to tell you, this is probably, especially in the American culture, this is deceptive. It's really easy to allow this to creep into your life and to think it's okay. Uh, I think of the, the rich young ruler that came up to Jesus and he said, hey, I, I've been following all the commands. I've been doing all the right thing. And you, you see Jesus' response to that. It's in Mark 10, if you want to look it up. But he's, he's saying to the rich young he has like this, this compassion for him. He's like, yeah, I see that you really do care. But here's the thing. If, if you want to really follow me, you got to understand, you got to give everything you've got up. You've got all this, this, this power, this authority, this wealth. You got to let that all go and follow me because that's not what we're about here. And the guy walks away sad. We don't know the rest of that, guys. I like to believe, this is just me. I'm, I'm adding to scripture, which you're not supposed to do. Um, but I like to believe that he was at Pentecost, he was saved, and he was one of the first people in, in the Acts church that donates all his stuff to the church and decides to be part of the church in the beginning. I like to think that that's what happens to that rich young ruler, because I'm a big fan of redemption. But uh, 
We don't know. We don't know what happens to him in the rest of his life. We just know that in that singular moment, he chose to keep what he had. That while he's been doing the right things, he's been living a good relationship and God, and Jesus sees it. And he's like, oh, you, you're, you're so close, but you've got you to gotta give this stuff up. You have the wrong priority. Your priority is you, you have more uh, value in, for yourself in what you have. You need to let that go and just walk with me. And he's unwilling to do that. And I, I think that that's what we're dealing with too. The problem isn't rich Christians, by the way. I'm not condemning people that have a lot of stuff. The problem isn't rich Christians. The problem is, is those of us that look at rich, rich Christians and think that that's what it means to be a good Christian. Those of us that look at rich Christians and be like, oh, I just want to be them. I, God, I, I will bless others. Once you bless me. <laughs> bless me and I would love to give away what I have. But first you got you to do, and that's the problem is that we, we want to attain that first because that's a higher priority for us. And what John's saying here is that's walking in darkness and you're loving the world and that's going to pass away. But if you do the will of the father, if the love of God is within you, if you're living in the light, that will last forever. Is that all good? We understand that. So that, that's our two things of living in the light means to be honest about the state you're in, not being perfect, but being honest about the fact that you're not to be in right relationship with God because he will, uh, he will, after you confess, he will restore you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so living in the light means to be honest. It means to love others and the love of God will be within you and uh, you will have the right priorities. Living in the darkness means to live in lies and deception, this projection of perfection. And it's not true and it's not real and you will hate the world around you and act- actively seek people's destruction. And you will love the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of greed or envy, or you'll just be looking to establish your own kingdom here on earth. So there's a couple things I wanted to share about light myself that I, so I, you've heard me teach this before, but I really am a big proponent about how God wrote two books that we can understand. This is an, uh, who was the guy trying to remember his name? Anyway, uh, he, he pre-proposed that God wrote two books, Scripture and Nature, and those are two ways that we can get to know God. Augustine, that's his name. There we go. Um, he proposed that we can get to know God through these two different books. And so uh, one of the things I love to do is like look at how science unveils more of who God is. That's not what science thinks it's doing, but to my eyes, that's what it's doing. And uh, I was looking at light this week and thinking, okay, there's a lot of different things we could talk about light. Like there's so many cool things about the actual scientific thing, light, and how it ties to who God is. Uh, but there's a couple of things I want to point out. Bugs, okay? <laughs> you didn't think that was what I was going to say next. Uh, but bugs, I was looking it up because I was like, why are bugs attracted to light? And why does that happen? And why are they so distracted by this thing? And, and, and so I was like, maybe that'll tie in. So I, I looked it up. And did you know, this was, this was cool, bugs aren't attracted to light. They, they navigate by it. That science has proven that, well, as far as they know right now, sometimes they change their minds, but as far as they know right now, bugs aren't attracted to light. They won't like head to it. They navigate by the sun and the moon. And so when they, at night, when they're passing by a light, they start to confuse that with the moon and it really distracts them. They get all lost and confused thinking that that's the moon and they're traveling at breakneck speed 
because all of a sudden the moon's way closer than they've ever been before and they don't really understand. So when you see a bug circling these lights and you think, oh man, what is wrong with this bug? It's totally confused. It has no idea what's going on. It's, it's lost and afraid and it, everything that it's been navigating its life by up to this point has changed all of a sudden. And it's distracted by this, this artificial light. And this is what I was, I was like, wow, that's really cool. That the guiding light, this is, this is another fact of light that it, it guides us. It helps us navigate. And we, like this, we, we have a relationship with God who is light. And I believe we are supposed to navigate our lives by that. And yet sometimes I think we have a tendency to be distracted by artificial things. And see, it's, it's easy sometimes to think, oh yeah, I, I'm just going to avoid the darkness, live in the light. That's easy. Sometimes the, lights, the darkness isn't that easy to tell. Sometimes there's this artificial light going on, this fake light that we get distracted by and we get confused by and we fly by it. And all of a sudden we're distracted because we've changed what our guiding light is. Our highest priority, what's telling us we have value, what's telling us we have purpose and what that purpose is has changed. And we get lost and confused and just like the bugs are when they're passing by those artificial lights. And the cool thing is that only happens at night, right? Because that's when we turn the lights on and because the moon is much less bright than the sun. It's easy for bugs to distinguish between our artificial lights and the sun. It's hard for them to, to distinguish between those lights and the moon. And this is one of the cool things that I was also thinking about is that the moon is a reflection of the sun. And this is why it's important for you not to have a relationship with God that goes through your pastors and leaders. Because we can be imitated. You can find something that will reflect God in other ways or, or pretend to be like God in other ways. And if you have a relationship with God just through us, you'll easily be distracted by other things. But if you have a relationship with God yourself, that's like you navigating based on the sun, nothing compares with him. And so if you are a Christian and, and you want to grow in your relationship with God, you got to understand that you can't just allow that to be this way. You've got to start doing it yourself. And it'll be a lot harder for you to be distracted by those artificial lights. The other thing that I wanted to talk about light is that light is presence and darkness is absence. And this is just a, a quick point that I want to make is that I think I... I I get really frustrated when people are always talking about how they need to avoid the darkness, need to avoid sin, need to avoid this or that. And they're trying to walk away from all the bad things. Guys, there's a lot of bad things out there. There's a lot of ways to do this wrong. A lot of ways that you can go and, and you can even see like, oh, okay, lust of the flesh, that's bad. I'm not going to do that anymore. And you get distracted by lust of the eyes and you start being greedy and envious. And you're like, oh, that's bad. I'm going to walk away from that. Then you have boastful pride of life. And then you walk into all these different areas and you haven't actually avoided the darkness at all. You've just moved from one darkness to another. My grandfather used to say like this, that there's a lot of ways to get sick. There's really only one health. There's only one being healthy. And that's just when everything's working right. And that's the same thing with our relationship with God. There's a lot of darkness out there, but there's one light. We shouldn't be trying to avoid the darkness. We should be pursuing the light. Don't make, don't walk out this door and think, okay, I'm going to stop doing these things. Walk out this door and think, I'm going to start. I'm going to start being more intentional about my relationship with God. I'm going to start doing more to grow in my relationship with him. Pursue the light and you will walk away from the darkness. 
Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.